Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today, David Morrison and I sit down and wrap up our series in and around uh, the different stages and evolutions of um, the spiritual life or the spiritual walk. We started off with faith, moved to worship, and today we dive into this idea of evangelism uh, and what it means uh, sort of is contemporary Christianity and, and what it has evolved to uh, for David in his uh, spiritual walk. But before we get into that, thank you, Diego, at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the engineering, uh, sound engineering and edits on Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, thank you to Jacob at monkdrums.com. That's what you hear in the background right now, and you can... Uh, Find out more about Monk Drums at monkdrums.com. If you are interested in learning more about Desert Rain as a community or uh, any of David's thoughts and ideas in and around spirituality, Christianity, uh, theruined.com, drcrpod.com is where you can find all the past episodes um, or wherever you found this you stumbled across this episode, they should all be there as well. Uh, please tell a friend if you enjoy what you're hearing. Uh, spread the word. Uh, word of mouth is super helpful to us as well as social media. We appreciate you and let's get into it. <clears throat> Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, how are you doing, Mr. David Morrison? I'm a little tired, but doing all right. Pumping, pumping one out on a. That didn't sound right. <laughs> knocking, <laughs> knocking out a podcast on a weekday. Yeah, a week, an evening. Yeah, a weekday evening. We don't even though we it's don't bright typically outside. Do that. Yeah, it's been weird this year. Like I got so used to the the other time change. Yeah, getting getting uh, dark earlier. Um, today we're going to kind of put a, a ribbon on the, the sort of series we've put forth, uh, around people's disillusionment. Is that even a word? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Disillusionment. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't sound right at first, but, um, we've covered, uh, this idea of faith, you know, kind of broke down the difference between beliefs and faith. Uh, and, and kind of that spiritual evolution. Last week we talked about uh, the worship and how that uh, in modern Christianity kind of plays out. And today I think we want to dive into uh, evangelism. Yeah, that sounds sort good. of the, uh, or at least from your perspective, the how it, it played a role in your early spiritual and prayer life, and how it's since evolved and changed. Um, yeah. Yeah, that so, sounds good. So what's uh I guess we should start at the beginning in the sense of what is in a stereotypical way or or sort of a a mainstream way, what is evangelism? Well, the to begin cynically, evangelism is the European empires <laughs> uh, forcing Christianity on the native peoples of North and South and Central America. 
But we well, were, even before that, <laughs> same of, thing with yeah. the Buddhist <laughs> yeah. forcing it, forcing it upon the the Far East. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> there is that. There is imperialism. <clears throat> yeah. Um, in, and even uh, before they came here, they were going around Europe, <laughs> yeah. forcing people to be Christians. Yeah. I guess then it would, they would have said Catholics, but. So, yeah. So aside from that and acknowledging the elephant in the room, there's the, I guess, the American, modern American uh, idea of evangelism. Yeah. Which is, um, it's a rational presentation of mm. the gospel based on. Your need to get into heaven, basically. Your, your individual need to get your into heaven. Yeah, so the soul is very individualized, yeah. and it's all based on your choice, and your choice is based on me telling you this story. Uh, it's done. It's been done well. I think Billy Graham did it well in, yeah, in that's mass good. evangelism. You right. know? But even he critiqued that uh, model. Mm. Um he, he didn't see it as as the best. Mm -hmm. And so I think we could start there. If he didn't see the model that he uh, made was not really that great, uh, then why should we stick with that? Yeah, know? well, it was great in the sense that it made him a boatload of money. Right? Yeah, and but he it, was fairly modest with that, him in particular, mm -hmm. you know, so he he gets good points for that, I guess. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> and he was, you know, so, so it's, so it's a, a message of, you're a sinner, you're inherently broken, uh, and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. and you need to pray this prayer. And you have to say those words. Yeah, so they Jesus teach you in a script. Yeah. Uh, and I'm being cynical, but it, it's, it's worked for thousands of people, if not millions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a sinner, and I need you. So mm -hmm. it's very like uh, the 12 Steps. My life is unmanageable, mm -hmm. and I need to appeal to the higher power. Right, uh, which I think that's why it's it's been successful because of that uh, awakening mm. people into sobriety um, and into a a more orderly life, I guess. Uh, which was before that was chaos based mm -hmm. through addiction. Um, so, you, so you, you. But the diff I, I would say the one difference there in comparing those is. 12-steppers don't go out recruiting people. Exactly, Whereas yeah. Whereas church yeah. members go out recruiting people right, and saying, yeah. you're broken, you're damaged, and let me save you. Yeah. There's definitely a savior complex and, and in yeah. that. And so I, I quickly learned how to do that when I joined the charismatic church, you know. And that was, you were high school age, a High school right? kids yeah. were very malleable. And so I would literally go up to strangers and... And, and you're articulate too, so I'm sure it, like you were good yeah, at it. Yeah, the best one was I went up to this guy, he was a heavy metal head uh, guy. You got a picture, this is 1986, something like that. Yeah. Um, and this guy's sitting there alone in the stadium at the high school. So I go up to him and, dear sir, may I <laughs> And so I, t I give him the basics yeah. of that, that pitch. And, uh, and he's quiet. He doesn't respond. He's, not lo he's looking straight ahead through his sunglasses. And then I say, oh, so you want me to leave? And he goes, no, you stay here. I'll leave. <laughs> and that was the best thing ever. <laughs> that could have happened to me. And so, so it's all based on... Uh, the the what they call the Great Commission, 
Mm-hmm. At the end of the Gospels, when, you know, if you, if you remember, Jesus is crucified, and then he's mm-hmm. risen, and then he appears for about uh, 40 days or so. And so then he ascends, and at his ascension, he says, gives them what's called the Great Commission, which mm-hmm. is go out into all the world, go out into all the nations, and make disciples, and, and let this Gospel be preached. And so that's where it comes from, and that's why it's so important to uh, churches, and you know, it's right there in the name of evangelicals. Right. That's what they're based on. But the, it's, it gets problematic when um, the prayer that they sell you is n- neither biblical nor spiritual nor really that appropriate. So, what is? I don't think I'm familiar with the the specific prayer that you're referring to. Well, first they start with the pre- the assumption that if you don't say this prayer, you're going to burn in hell forever. So they have that motivation. So if you don't say it word for word, not no, no, not oh, word okay, for word. Okay. But if you don't make some right. sort of a commitment to okay, Jesus, okay, okay. to hand your life over, <laughs> um, it's about the destiny of your eternal soul. Yeah. So, so instead of making it about this life, it's made about mm-hmm. the life to come, which Jesus doesn't teach, barely teaches, mm-hmm. in that sense. Uh, secondly, there's no such thing as a personal Lord and Savior. Uh, that's that's an anti-gospel idea. Mm. He's not a custom-made Jesus right. uh, that you can take home with you, and batteries included. But that um, sells much better than a, a communal yeah, so, a communal type Christ. Yeah, so it's very Americanized. <laughs> and if I remember right, I think it came near the end of the 19th century in America. A group of businessmen got together and um, and basically turned the this gospel presentation into a, a marketing a sales pitch. tool. And I believe they became the I could be wrong. You could check. It's been a while since I've read the origins mm. of this thing, but it it became the full gospels uh full gospel businessmen mm. organization. And that was they, literally the name of their yeah, business. So, yeah. And, that, and so they began to to uh package, if you will, mm-hmm. this evangelism in that way. Um and it, and it, you know, and, and so that's that's kind of what's ruled the day. And and from sense. a business standpoint, they did a hell of a job. Yeah, they did yeah. a really good job. Yeah, from that from that uh, paradigm, from a business minded paradigm, yeah. not and, not necessarily until it becomes, a gospel paradigm. And then yeah, and then I've seen it go get very toxic mm-hmm. as a result. People, you know, I, uh, my wife Marsha. Uh, an innocent six-year-old mm. being told by a Sunday school teacher that if she doesn't, that if her neighbor dies, it's mm-hmm. going to go to hell, and you didn't, their blood is on your hands. I mean, she's told things like that well, to a six-year-old. And her know? and I get into it on the the Road to Desert Rain series. We we wow. we break down that story, or I mean, we not we. She breaks down yeah. that story, and uh, we we have some fun sort of unpacking that whole thing. Yeah. And she was in "quote unquote" Christian school. Right. She was the star student. She was morally uh, the the one they held up as the moral example and <laughs> academic example. And she didn't agree with the the canned answers for religion mm. on her pace uh, paper. And uh, and so she had to be corporately punished in front of everyone mm. for answering the wrong religious questions. So that's the kind of toxic mm-hmm. kind of thing that that comes out of it, and it and it becomes intrusive. It becomes anti-gospel. Um, it becomes manipulative, and and it does not make disciples in, well, in that sense. And so, and I know you and I have joked about the different uh, churches 
that send out the they want you to report your numbers. <laughs> right. Yeah. How many, yeah, you know, how many, big. how many people have you brought in? How many baptisms? Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, at that point it, it literally is, uh, I mean, that's what businesses do to the, with their franchises, exactly. right? Like report back to us and let us know if there's a profit or loss. Yeah. And then growing up in the vineyard when I was a teenager, the big thing was power evangelism. That's which, what, that's what it was built on. Uh, which is, which is basically just doing what the Spirit is doing. And so, you know, Jesus went out to teach and to, to heal and to do mm-hmm, miracles. Right. So, so you go and do those miracles. Oh. And, you know, and I, you know, and I experienced some pretty unusual things and that kind of thing. Um, and I freaked a lot of people out at the same time. And so mm. it was very hit and miss. So we would go, uh, you know, into public spaces and, and try to get what we called a word from God. Mm-hmm. About an individual and walk up to them and quote unquote read their mail and mm-hmm. so they would be astounded and at our parlor tricks right. and so so that was another model and then we kind of evolved into what we called servant evangelism that was a big thing in the vineyard is this where the Jesus sandwich comes from the Jesus sandwich <laughs> so you go out and you give you know you just serve the public which which is a good thing yeah right? you should you know? I mean you serve like we I don't remember. Within the last two episodes, you and I talked about the importance of service. Yeah, so you service know, it's getting better, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know. Well, give an example of, of this service evangelism. Well, we've, we did it a few years ago. We, um, there's a food bank in our neighborhood mm. already. Uh, I believe the county was running it. Uh-huh. And they needed help, you know. So we set up a team to... To help them with the right. you know the the clerical stuff, but then on top of that, there were people waiting from early in the morning in line mm. for hours, mm-hmm. and so we would set up uh, you know uh, a grill and okay play some Motown hits and, and just feed people Make some burgers while they're waiting in line. And stuff. Yeah, and yeah. whatever else we could offer, yeah, coffee and that kind of stuff, and, and it was a lot of fun. You yeah, know? just create a little party scene there, um, and so that's that's kind of. How it, how that evolved, mm-hmm. and and I think it's still good. I, I you know, and I think service is where it's really at anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my friend in uh, he has a church in Norway, and one of the things that he talked about they would do is, um, like they would set up, and if people needed like a tire change or something done with their car, that they, I guess they had some mechanically minded guys in the within the church and. It helped people fix their cars. You yeah, know? the good news so garage very, was kind a of very, thing. very practical. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's that's a very practical use. Yeah. of of service. It's similar, you know, similar to what you're saying, like yeah, and a lot of churches coming do alongside. that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so that so yeah, that's great. That's great stuff. Uh, on an individual level, though, I feel like the just me personally. This is just my opinion. Uh, if 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 I have a friendship with someone. Uh, a friendship is is to be an authentic people with each other, mm-hmm. to be honest, to be vulnerable to one another. That's the basis of a friendship, right. in, in my opinion. I, I would. And, I mean, that's yeah. That's, that when I look at who my friends are and who my acquaintances are, that's, yeah. that, that's how I would divide it up. And so, my friends who do not identify as Christians, I feel that if I were to only be friends with them, mm-hmm. so that I could get them to convert right. to Christianity, 
uh, and to say that prayer, I feel like that's disingenuous. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's selling an Amway Jesus. Uh, or what was that movie with with Alec Baldwin? You know, ABC. Yeah, always be, always be closing. Closing. Yeah, that, I've heard pastors sound exactly like yeah. that. And uh, knocking coffee cups out of the parishioners. Yeah, room. you get c- coffees for closers. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great scene. Coffee's for clothes. That's one of the best scenes and so in like movie I don't think history. Jesus should be reduced, and I don't think they did it on purpose, but I don't think he should be reduced to a business uh, retail well, marketing point. And I think it, the wires get crossed because you, you know, the the group you talked about earlier that you know took this idea of marketing the gospel, and yeah, you know, and so if someone doesn't know that background. And they're just told by a pastor or even just a, a respected friend, you know, someone, a mentor that they yeah. look up to. And they're like, oh, well, you got to treat it this way. It's very right. easy to be like, well, if my pastor told me that, then I guess that's what yeah, needs exactly. to be done. And it, so there's a lot of, oh, what's what would be the right word? Just gray area? Yeah. Of like yeah. not knowing. And so you act the way you're, you're mentored. Yeah. And, and saying a prayer doesn't transform lives at all. Discipleship does. Mm-hmm. And by discipleship, I mean the long-term sharing of lives together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, can, and like you said, that can be done in a myriad of ways. Um, but this idea of, of harassing someone on their deathbed mm-hmm. uh, rather than being Christ. So, so these ideas began to take hold of me 20 years ago, which was, uh, we're not trying to get people to come to church. The church has always been commanded to go mm-hmm. to the world and be the servant. Because it's easy to come to church. Yeah. It's easy to spend a few hours on a Sunday in around, quote-unquote, church fellowship. Yeah, big It's deal. tough to do church Monday through Saturday. Exactly. You know, or Monday through Sunday or however you, you want to Yeah, and so we had cute it. phrases back then, you know, why, why would I, how can I go to some, a place where, where I'm supposed to be that place? I'm supposed to be church. I'm, I'm not going to go to church, you know, yeah, yeah. those kinds of things. And, uh, and so, you know, but, and then, and then uh, the quote that's thrown around so much on memes by St. Francis of Assisi, uh, uh, preach the gospel at all times. Uh, and if necessary, use words. Mm. And so, and that, that resonated with me 20 years ago. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and, and even being a public school teacher for 15 years, uh, I, I came to the conclusion early on that if the presence of God and the reality of Jesus Christ is not imminent in just my presence, just me being who I am, in the way that I treat the person in front of me, then then there is no reason to use any words anyway. And so it's yeah, because you're you're going to come off disingenuous. Exactly. And people can pick up on that. And it's just an idea then. It's just ideas and words mm. at that point. And the gospel is not ideas and words. It's, it's, a, it's a demonstration and it's a, a transformation. Well, and the, it is ideas and words, but those ideas and words should compel you, or not, I don't think compels the right word, inspire you to those actions, those, those uh, transformations, those yeah, sorts of things exactly. to, to embody you can take the words and ideas in the gospel and embody them, um, 
You're in a really good yeah. freaking place, spiritually speaking. Exactly. Yeah. And the arrogance that we had was was tremendous. I mean, it was just, we're going to take Jesus to the streets. Mm-hmm. We're going to take Jesus to this group of people. Like Jesus isn't already there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that these people don't know anything, and you know everything. <laughs> right. And so, so I learned that lesson in teaching after, you know, after I became a veteran teacher. Can you, can you, yeah, so, elaborate so that's a on good that a little metaphor bit. for, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, so, go down so that. you know, I'm 21, I start teaching, and I think, uh, let me see if I get this right. Uh, I, I'm, I can teach them something, mm. and I'm here to, uh, to lead them into some sort of enlightenment, awakening, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, some in- intellectual and, epiphanies, and yeah, such. exactly. Okay. And, and then there was a transition to no, uh, there was there was a middle trans transition there. I, I don't remember, mm-hmm. not so much me as as a as an authority figure in the classroom, but mm-hmm. we were we were in it together, kind of okay. thing. Um, you're all on, you're all on the same ship, yeah. so to speak, trying to get to a destination. But then it but then it evolved to a, a final stage for me, which was um, I'm there to see what they have to teach me, mm-hmm. and and I and I'll do the English and I'll do the but. You'll do what you're employed to do. Yeah, by the yeah. state of Texas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. one, one time some state <laughs> officials were using my classroom for a, an official state of Texas meeting. Uh-huh. And this uh, uh, professional woman in a pantsuit asked me, oh, is this your classroom? And I said, no, ma'am. This classroom belongs to the state of Texas. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and I walked out. Yeah, that's the best. proud. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> And, and so, yeah, so so there's this encounter that uh, an exchange that took place, and it took you know 15 years to mm-hmm. get to that. Uh, so rather than me thinking I'm going to bring Jesus, because the Spirit has been poured out, yeah, Jesus's ascension means now Jesus is everywhere, mm-hmm. and and the and the Pentecost is the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, and so we're just playing catch up to what God is doing anyway, and it's usually nothing like what you presuppose or expect. And we used to say that as charismatics, you can't put God in a box, but it's really true. You yeah. can't put God in a box. And I think a lot of people try to. And and to sort of go back to your example, the teaching example, that that's sort of the dirty little secret of the recovery world, the 12-step world is, uh, you know, we a few episodes back, we talked, you know, I shared my experience around sponsorship and it's, I'm the one being taught by these new guys. Yeah. You know, and and being reminded of of what it's of what real alcoholism and real uh addiction is about, you know, and, and it's it, me I'm teaching them very little compared to what they're teaching me and or reminding me of. Exactly. It keeps you in a constant fluid state of mm-hmm. humility. Well, some people get kind of rigid, but that's another story for yeah. another time. I guess it's <clears throat> So so yeah so I, I think that's kind of the 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 goal for me now when I I want to when I engage with people I don't have the secret agenda mm-hmm. to present a Jesus sandwich to them or can, to, can you uh, just explain a Jesus sandwich to the people <laughs> if I was listening to this the only reason I know what it is is because you've explained it to me in the past it's where I'm doing a favor for you and and you need to know that. It's because uh, we want you to yeah. follow Jesus the way yeah. that we follow Jesus. And that's, I think I've covered it on a <laughs> podcast, but uh, my first, I don't remember, couple years hanging out here at Desert Rain, I was like waiting for, for someone to, 
whether it was you or Greg or Jacob and, you know, whoever, Deanna, Marsha, you know, uh, and it still hasn't come. I still haven't got the Jesus. They haven't sold the Jesus sandwich. No one's tried to sell it to me yet. (laughs) We're just really bad at evangelism. (laughs) And I think it shows. (laughs) Well, I would argue you're really good at it because you're not doing those sorts of uh, marketing tricks. Well, and it's part of the faith, you know, so when you're in those first and second stages of faith that we talked about mm-hmm. in the other podcast, it seems like that's your duty because people's souls are at stake. Right. Because you have this mythology of, of heaven and hell and it's all uh, up to you. You know, yeah, it's all yeah, on yeah. you. But when you when you hit that third stage of faith of perplexity, uh, you see it as gimmicky and uh, and and it's kind of empty. And 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 it's well, and, and it's, it's cynical. A, you see it as a cynical. Well, but it, and two, it's coming from a place of fear. Exactly. Because if you're you done think with fear, if you think you're going to save someone's soul, then your God is very small. Exactly. But if you're looking at it from, you know, Jesus, like what you just said, Jesus is poured out over everybody. Yeah. Uh, then that you know that God is an infinite God, and I don't have to, I I shouldn't be worried with the. Uh, from the earlier example, my neighbor's soul, my neighbor's soul is going to be fine because of Jesus. Yeah. Not because I go over there and try to sell him, uh, give him a good pitch. Yeah, exactly. And and I know that's offensive. That's very offensive what we're saying to people in the first and second stages. And I get that. I understand that. And if you're in those Uh, stages, keep doing it. Yeah. Keep going out there and converting people and, and getting them to go to church with you. Yeah, sure. You know, burn out. Yeah. So then you can hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're in a third stage listening to this, you're like, yeah, you're not you're not being mean enough. Stick it to them. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, and if you're in a fourth stage, you're in probably you're, you're, you're not even listening to yeah. this. <laughs> They're not fourth stage. <laughs> you're not interested listening in to this us. kind of stuff. Uh, and so uh, or you or you picked it up on a whim. Oh, this looks interesting. Um <laughs> And so that's, yeah, so that's that's kind of, you know, and I think the Catholic Church has, you know, the, the largest Christian uh, church has already concluded that they are not going to convert the entire world to Catholicism. Yeah, but that did take them, what, 1,500 years or something like It took like a that. while, <laughs> took several armies, took uh, the enslavement of millions of, and yeah. the destruction of, yeah, of, of, of a lot of tears. Tons and tons of, of societies. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so it's about finding the good news in that's already happening in someone's life, and maybe they don't see it, mm. and you point that good news out to them, um, that kind of thing. And that takes being present to someone. Well, and I think that's that's where I've had my deepest connections, either with me coming alongside and meeting someone new that might maybe is in a, a dark spot or vice versa, someone coming alongside me while I'm in a dark place. Um, and just sort of being there as humans. Exactly. You know, not not any kind of agenda like, like uh, we mentioned earlier. Um, and unfortunately, a real good example isn't coming to mind, but, you know, I, I just, I know... That that idea, or not that idea, it's it's an actual thing, but just authenticity. Yeah. How important that is in uh, at least my spiritual walk. Yeah, it's more important to me than quality. I made that decision. Than what? Than, than being quality. Oh, authenticity oh, over quality. Yeah, or, or looking or, good. Or being real over the image of yeah. being having it, being well 
put, you know, being put, put together. together. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's just the decision I've made because that's who I want to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I don't see Jesus as the means for me to live the best person that I can be, to become the best person I can be, my potential, mm-hmm. I, my uh, human potential to be fully realized, uh, the best version of me. I don't, I don't, I personally don't believe that that is the purpose of Christ in my life. Mm-hmm. It's to experience life at its fullest, at its demands, mm-hmm. where it demands itself. And it becomes the Paschal mystery, the death and resurrection simultaneously. That's what it, uh, you know, is to me. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives through me. So that, that's kind of a different uh, yeah, and take it, on it than what's presented usually. Well, and I think, too, with that, with the the perspective that you're talking about, you know, your interpretation of what, what this... Um, you know, our short time on earth is, it's going back to the beginning of the conversation. It's hard to package that and try to sell it right. in like a, a mass quantity type of way. You're right, exactly. You know, and and um, even though I feel like uh, the new age folk are trying to do that as far as like, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing the train of thought. But just with this idea of authenticity, somehow they're they're like trying to package it and be like, oh, you got to be your real self, and, oh, yeah, and I'll show yeah. you how to do it with these three easy things. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't no. like each. If you're gonna find your authentic self, there's not really a blueprint to do it. No, you gotta you gotta live life. <laughs> you gotta let life punch you in the face, basically. Yeah, and, and it will. It's yeah, surely that's what it's there for. Yeah, there's no formula for that, and there's no controlling it or. Or uh, there's practicing for it, I think. Yeah, I think silence. I think practicing yeah. silence. Yeah. I think going. I think up, prayer. Yeah, for sure. Pilgrimage. Those are just the fire drills. Yeah, and they're useful. I mean, for me, they've been useful for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. For me too. You know, this 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 Friday marks five years since my grandma passed, and and that same year, two weeks prior, my my grandfather on my the other side of the family had passed, and. You know, all those years of prayer and silence yeah. and um, being of service in the community sort of set me up for yeah to be there for my family. And even then, it, you know, it was clunky and I stumbled over things. And, of course. You know, but it but um, those fire drills helped. Yeah, exactly. So it's a good thing. So what do you, what, what do you we've kind of talked around it a bit, but for you, what, what do you think was the turning point from this, uh, you have this very, Hey, do you know about, uh, do you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior to kind of shifting and, um, pivoting, if you will, to a more authentic interaction with people? Was there one or two events? Yeah, I think so. Well, first it was just a terrible experience to go Cold calling, ABC in it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just terrible, you it's know. Alone. I'm it's sure not, it's a lonely it's, feeling. Yeah, it was just so. It didn't take any convincing from me, because it felt mm. fake. It felt just not good. Uh, even when it worked out well, it just wasn't, you know. So, so probably the first chink in the armor was 
I was I was a youth pastor and this uh, uh, one we we used to meet on Friday nights and a mm-hmm. new person showed up mm-hmm. and he was he was a uh, probably fifteen and I was probably nineteen and and when you say youth it, was it just high school kids or was it like uh, it was, middle school and yeah high school? it was it was a middle school high okay. school and college age meeting. okay okay so this was a high school kid and. And so after the meeting, I, I sat next to him and I was going to give him the pitch. Right. You know, uh, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. And and he, and he so I felt this kind of an urge from the Holy Spirit, if you will, mm. say, just shut your mouth, will you, and let me do this. Okay. And so then the kid talked to me. And 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 it led to the prayer mm. of of him, quote-unquote, committing his life to Christ. But in an organic way. It was more organic. And I had just said that God loves you unconditionally. Mm. I, I took it from that rather than the heaven and hell thing, mm. that, that God is has, has always been loving you, and God will always love you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, so he said the prayer, and then I was going to go into the next pitch, which is go to church, read your Bible, and mm. pray. And uh, and so sort of the the follow up the evangelical trinity uh, what's it called call to action yeah exactly <laughs> and and so it was almost like the spirit paused the whole situation said you just told this young man that that love is unconditional and, and now, now you're, you're gonna giving you're gonna load up all this stuff on are you schizophrenic you know it was that kind of a thing and uh, and, and it all all of that happened in seconds in, in yeah. that one interaction yeah and picture the Holy Spirit is looking like Mel Brooks right. and so you know hey wait a minute <laughs> or better head. Larry David you know right. and uh, what's the matter with you uh, yeah yeah this one interaction interesting and and so I said so he he asked the question what do I do now then. And and so instead of doing the the trifecta, of, right. I said, uh, "Can you figure out ways to allow God to continually love you? That's what you need to do." And and what are you doing Tuesday night? We'll hang out. Mm-hmm. And I had a small group that I went to, and so we just started doing everything together. So you just befriended him. Yeah. Yeah. And it, did, and it did take on a more formal discipleship, quote unquote, role for a, a brief period of time, and mm. and uh, and we're still friends today. And so that's kind of that was a, that was a, a shift for me mm-hmm. in in that whole presentation. And then um, and then yeah, I definitely felt a lot better just going into a community and and just serving in some way and. Uh, and so that was that was definitely a better way. So so just being present to people, you know, just being a friend, being a servant, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And then if they're really interested, you know, invite them to to pray with you. Invite mm-hmm. them to go to the prison with you. Invite them to go where you know wherever you're, whatever you're doing. Well, it's, it's or you go and do what they're doing. If yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes forget. So there, there's men in my life that I, I've known since like high school, and we weren't going to church and praying and doing all that right. stuff. But our lives now look different, you know. And I, I passed maybe a month ago. I just happened. I was in the front yard of my mom's house, and one of my buddies walked by, and I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" And and so we, you know, we caught up, and and um, 
you know, just did typical. And then we start, we're like, all right, man, see, cause he lives in LA now. So he was like ready to get on the road. It was like a Sunday evening or Sunday night. And they were, him and his wife were heading back to LA and he stopped and he's like, well, do you, why don't we just pray right now? I was like, oh yeah, of course. You know? And so we spent what, 30 seconds and prayed together, yeah. but it's amazing how if our high school selves could see us, how goofy, right, yeah. how, you know what I mean? Like we would be making fun of our adult selves, yeah. but it was like, it was, it, it was just the most natural thing for us to just pray together, you know, for 20 or 30 seconds, you know, and, and just have that connection. And like, what a cool feeling that is that you can yeah, run that into connection. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very authentic. Um, very, very meaningful, even though I, you know, I probably see this guy who knows how, not very often. Right. We talk on the phone maybe once or twice a year. Um, and then we, you know, we run his mom, lives a couple blocks over from my mom and so we we run into each other randomly and and uh it just just one of those really really beautiful connections that's important you know yeah. and never once and I don't remember who made the shift purse but never once has he tried to give me a Jesus sandwich and right. never once have I tried to give him you know some kind of Jesus or spiritual sandwich and we've just we sort of ended up a you twelve steps up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've just sort of orbited each other for the last, you know, thirty years of our life, twenty-five years of our life, and and have landed in a similar place spiritually. That's awesome. Yeah, wow. it's it's weird how those those things, and I neither one's right. You know, like the yeah. teenage version that you had, where you you know you met this guy at a at a uh, a meeting, you know, a church meeting, or yeah. You know the wild the wild kids running amok in in the high school age. You never know um, how God's going to work through you. Yeah, and and as a teacher, you know, I felt like my gift was to bring laughter into a dark place, mm -hmm. and so that's what I did. You know, really f tried to be funny. So, uh, actually, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but would you? As because when because when you were a pastor, you were also a full time teacher. I think we've right, covered yeah. that pretty pretty well. And if not, uh, my apologies. But I'm very busy. Yeah, <laughs> you had two full time <laughs> I was jobs. Very man. tired. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I was in the Navy, I didn't really. I had like a full time and a half job, but you had two full time jobs. Um. But did, what was it? I mean. Did you ever bring, did, you know, you bring the like preaching side of yourself to the classroom? Did your kids ever like realize you were a pastor and ask you about it? Like what, what was, yeah, what was yeah. that like? Uh, it was uh, chaotic and disastrous and some moments of awesome things that would happen. Um, so, you know, because I, I am known to have a salty mouth. A little and bit. I did in the classroom as, as well. As do I. <laughs> I was a cussing teacher. Right. And was irreverent about everything. And so a religious kid, usually the religious kids would, Mister, mm. you're a pastor and you talk like that? And, the, you know, you're a Christian and you and you, and you, you talk say like, those words? And then I would say, I didn't say I was a good Christian. <laughs> what do you, give me a break. And so that's kind of was my go-to response yeah. to that. And But no, we had very deep. In Texas, the, the law was... Uh, you can't initiate the conversation, 
But if but if a student initiates a conversation, then you can have a conversation about anything. Interesting. And so at least at, at that time, I don't right, know what right, it is right. now. And and so because I was open with my life and, and mm. was funny, it was very disarming. Yeah, we had all kinds of great spiritual discussion. And then because it was the, the topic was English and we're studying literature, that's the stuff of life. Mm. And so we could talk about all kinds of Yeah, it's interwoven of issues, yeah. In all different ways. And that was that was another it happened there at the school. Uh, another transition in my thinking about evangelism too was because I had a, I had a, a very intelligent student. This was the early two thousands, and he was studying uh, the the Hitchens. Uh, Christopher Hitchens was becoming mm. pop. The new atheists were becoming very mm -hmm. popular, right. and so he was he was armed up, mm -hmm. and so he wanted to have debates and. And and I told him, you know, and my position was, you're going to win every debate because I'm not arguing from rationality. I'm not claiming mm. that my Christianity is a rational. You're coming thing. from the mystery, yeah, the mystical it's, it's side, exactly. That, yeah. So I said, I can't. So you're going to win every argument. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm already telling you uh, because it's very subjective. Anything I, I'm going to tell you is subjective. It's my mm. own personal experience, and it and it might represent the experience of of many. And perhaps millions, but it's still subjective. Yeah. And I cannot, I don't have scientific evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm not, I can't even engage you there. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I, I'm going to surrender it. And so our, our church met at the school where I taught. Oh, that's right. And he was a, he was a band. He was part of this cult called band. <laughs> uh, those kids are, that's a cult. Hey, man, Those don't kids, say that. There might be some band members listening to this. They they're going to They're going to come kill us. They are serious about the band. I mean, the, and this band was just a... His, his name is David Morrison, <laughs> and his address is... I'm going to get killed by a trombone player. <laughs> I mean, they, they were really... Went to the head. The band kids were the most committed uh, kids... Bar none. Yeah, that's probably, that's, that's probably been my experience. And our, and our church met in the band room. And so we're doing our thing. We're singing and, uh, you know, engaging in, in worship. And I guess he was coming in from a, a trip from out of town. Uh, and I guess he heard some of it. Mm -hmm. And so he came in Monday morning and he said, I have no rationality for what I felt when I saw those people singing. There was something definitely there that was beyond any argument. Uh, he said, I'm not, you know, I'm not converting. But he, but he, like, and so that, so I realized, yeah, this is a transrational experience. Mm. It's not a step A, B, and C kind of presentation. And then when we went to plant our church in 1996, this reminds me, I felt very insecure because I was I'm not an evangelist anymore at this point. I didn't see myself. Interesting. When, a, when did that kind of fade away? You've seen yourself as an evangelist. Uh, probably when the guy said, you you stay here, I'll leave, <laughs> at the age of 17. Back, back in high school. <laughs> uh, I just did not yeah, yeah, yeah. enjoy it. I didn't like it. I didn't, you know. Well, was, even knowing you now, it wouldn't. I couldn't imagine you being, like, really a salesman of any type. Exactly. So, so like, you trying to, like, quote-unquote, so sell Jesus. And and I see that in you because I'm all, I, too, am not a salesman yeah. of any, any kind, so... So anyway, so, yeah, you're, so you're, you're planting so, yeah, the church. So I was like, this is dumb of me because here I am, we're starting a new mm -hmm. church and I don't even know how to recruit people for this. Right, okay. How do you even get a church to grow? Uh, this is, yeah, this is, what am I doing? So I went to uh, Ernie Nettia, who's my mentor, one of my mentors at that time. 
in ministry. And he told me, uh, he empowered me. He said, bro, that's how we talked back then. It was yeah. the 90s. Uh, and did it was I, did I sound 90s? <laughs> uh, and he said, he said, you are a, are a mystic. That's who you are. And you shouldn't stop being a mystic just because you're planting a church. So be who you are. And that was very empowering for me. I went too far in doing that uh, for his taste. Right, I was going to say, in his eyes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I think, you know, that should be the case with a mentor and the mm. protege, you know. Yeah. Um, there, there does come a bridge too far sometimes. And I went a bridge oh. too far for him. And that, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of how you pass the torch, right? Yeah, I, like the I, protege evolves into to whatever the next level of their life is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we became a praying church. That's what we did. We prayed. That was our. We prayed and we served. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's what we did, and that's because that's who we were. And and to go back, I, I do want to go back, and I think it's related to evangelism. If I'm if I'm getting off track, uh, rein me in here, but. Because there are people within Christianity that want to have that rational argument, um, yeah. hence apologetics. The whole Protestant Reformation is based on this. Yeah, yeah. And so for those that are still engaging with that rational side, is that is is that in my mind that that kind of goes hand in hand with this business model of evangelism. That you're trying to rationally argue yeah. your point is that is that kind of where the mainstream Christianity is at right now? I think Protestants for sure. Yeah. Uh, Charismatics again. I mentioned power evangelism, so they'll they'll throw what we call spiritual gifts in the mix. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know that kind of thing. Um, and don't get me wrong; I know people that they came to sobriety. Uh, by becoming born again. You mean like sobriety in the sense of not drinking or using right, drugs? Yeah, right, they right, were, right, yeah. They were yeah, severe I know the same. alcoholics mm -hmm. and they had a, an awakening moment yeah. that was a born again experience. And it's real. And, and, and it happens a lot in prison. Mm -hmm. uh, when you get put in prison, uh, it's, a, it's a crisis in your life. Mm -hmm. It's a crisis in your family's life. It doesn't matter how broken down your family is. And so when you're in these crisis moments, there is a, a potential for a real transformation or, you know, uh, an openness. But, yeah, for the most part, it is a rational, you know, from the Protestant point of view, because mm -hmm. the Protestants are a rational movement. They're, they come mm -hmm. from the age of reason and the, and the right. enlightenment, the age of science. And so, whereas, you know, the, the older churches, the Orthodox and the Catholic are more mystery well definitely the orthodox church yeah. for sure yeah and so so yeah yeah there it is a most of the time it's a rational presentation yes uh they're hoping for a a heart transformation and oftentimes it does happen well i guess that would be my my follow-up question is so it, when i think of like having a rational argument i'm thinking about like the intellect, right, coming right. from the brain space, and how do we make that migration? And when, you know, when I say we, I mean like the overarching societal we. How how does one, in the context of Christianity, in the context of 
of a spiritual walk. Make that that six inch um, connection where you take this intellectual belief in Christianity, right in the Gospels, and move it to the heart space where you can have yeah. those transformations. Yeah, I I, I think people are asking that mm. all the time. That's you know, kind of when, the ongoing yeah. question. When does a yeah? That's that's a you know profound question where. How do we get transformed? How do we know we're transformed? Um, now, some it's very it's very visible because they, yeah. they experience sobriety. So, so they were drinking, they were doing drugs, and now they're not, and that's a drastic change, yeah. outwardly um, change, and outwardly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody can see that. Um, but others, you know, most of the time, in my experience, the transformation of God's love in your life is very slow and very messy and very slow, very, very slow. And even more messy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but, so. and that's been my, you know, because as we've touched on, I, you know, I've, I've had the sobriety transformation right. or conversion, you know. The born again experience, yeah, if you via, will. Via the 12 steps and every other change or transformation since then. I don't want to say it's frustrating because that's not the right word, but like you're saying, they're much slower, much yeah. messier, uh, takes uh, a bigger shakeup, if you will, yeah. to kind of get to kind of get that flip, uh, that switch flipped in the transformational way. Exactly. Like there's been things in my life that I've known intellectually, like, oh, I need to get rid of that or I need to stop doing that. Right. And then five years, seven years later something flips in me is like, oh, okay, now I'm going to take action. And yeah, and God, like show me, I, I mean business now. So like, God, what's next? Yeah. Exactly. Cause when I make the plan in my experience, it falls short <laughs> <laughs> or, or I end up, you know, harming people yeah. in some way, shape or form because of my, my gusto and my, my in your faceness. Uh, we, we, we got a little bit of time left and and um I, I guess sort of the way I would I would if you had to explain you, you know you're talking about authenticity and um being present you know befriending people uh but I guess in in sort of a a, a wrap up sort of way you know what what does evangelism mean to you today with everything you've gone through in your life and and all the people you've seen converted in good ways and in bad ways yeah. you know and and just you know people having the gospel transformation and the people sort of getting glued to the dogma of yeah. of Christianity you know you've you've witnessed it all yeah in the context of Christianity i think is a fair way to put it and just so what how would you how would you lay out what, what evangelism means to you today, uh, just to to a stranger? You know. Yeah, I, I guess the word itself means good news, and so what is the, how is the good news playing out in someone's life and being able to articulate that for them? Uh, you know, or or if they already know how to articulate it, be a listener of that mm. good news and celebrate it with them. Um, so I, th I think that's that's kind of what it is. Uh, uh, I guess there was a hospice patient that I was 
um, she was dying of of stage four cancer and and was very wary of the church, but wanted a pastor yeah. at the end of her life. And so I was the pastor for her. Once again, that, no word of mouth recommendation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pastor for people that don't have pastors. Yeah. And so, so I so I met with her for a year. She, was it that long? Yeah, it was wow. it was a full year, once a week. Yeah. And she just wanted to tell her life story. So I listened. And she was a talker. So we're talking three, four hour meetings, you know, and I'm just listening and listening and listening. And near the end, uh, she was basically casting the judgment on herself, expecting mm. this judgment. Uh, you know, I failed at this. I failed at that. And and I was able to, to say, no, you, you devoted your life to healing others. And uh, she was in the medical profession. I see. And 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 that that is a healing gift from God. It's irrevocable. It went through your life, and uh, you know. And I, I don't want to give up too many details. Right. Of course. Was, of course. Of course. Of yeah, course. The so anonymity was, of it is important. But I was able to connect her earliest fond memory mm. uh, at the age of two to that playing out once again and. In her death. In that transition yeah, from and, here to the next And it side. gave her, yeah, some great, it was good news for her. And, um, and you wouldn't have been able to do that without listening. For a year, every week. Yeah. And so, so just simply being present. Then there was another person around the same time, stage four cancer, uh, courtesy of... Uh, the Industrial Revolution. I was going to say a specific company, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's well, not. Do, we're not ready to be taken yeah, I out felt yet. Felt the fire come up in my eyes because they. Well, did I not, saw the twinkle. They come did not up. pay for his medical care, of course. And and this guy was at peace. He was at peace with his death. The good news had already mm. reached him, and 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 the best thing in his life at the end, the last two weeks of his life, was uh, his wife would open the door. To their house and he could see the sunlight and feel it mm. and that was the highlight that was the presence of god in his life so i had the opportunity to my job was to sit with him while the family could get relief or go run errands yeah and so i sat with him as he enjoyed this the sunlight and i enjoyed it with him that was the good news yeah. and and he passed away uh in in peace you know yeah. he had made peace with his death yeah. and uh and so that taught me so much the, you know this guy's really at peace with with his coming, you know. Uh, well, it's so it's death. funny because a lot of people would be like, "Oh, that's uh, oh sunlight. That's so so simple and so quaint." But it's like, no, the the sun does so much yeah. for us that it's it's a multi layered, complex thing, and and when we can really uh, appreciate it, like you know, either him or you sitting together with him. No, I really like if you want to talk about people that are lost, people that are found, so to speak. Yeah. That's that's the the language they use. Uh, I've been with full-hearted, quote unquote, you know, mental believers in mm -hmm. Jesus who don't even notice the full moon above us, and they're lost. If you don't even see the moon, you don't know where you're at in the mm -hmm. solar system. Uh, yeah. That's your basic home. You're lost in your own home. Yeah, I get excited. I, I, as a little kid, I would call it the whole moon. <laughs> the so whole I, moon's coming. Yeah, so I still yeah. I still refer to it as that. So people that don't notice the beauty of the shadow, the angle of a shadow on you know in the sun, I worry about those. Those are the people mm -hmm. to worry about. The people that don't feel a sense of mystery, 
when the wind is whistling or whispering through the trees. Uh, they don't pause for not even a second. Uh, the sound of running water outside. Uh, the, the feel of sunlight on your on your face. I was going to say the cactus flowers that last for maybe, what, a week? Yeah. Ten days. So those are the same people that don't notice their kid growing up, that don't notice the pain that they're causing others. Uh, they're lost. They need to wake up. And, and, and that's no, that you could be of any religion or no religion at all. Well, and it's, it ebbs and flows, right? Like you and I are lost at times. Exactly. Even though we, you know, we've, because we, we have this quote unquote, yeah, we have this quote unquote spiritual life, but yeah, you know, I, I know for myself that there's, there's been times since I've been saved for, you know, the vocabulary that we're right, using right. here. And, but I've been lost during that time as well. And there's been times where I've been uh, just totally locked in and yeah. engaged and all, you know, all the things you're listing off just in uh, awe and bewilderment of it. Exactly. You know? Are you, a, do you have a sense of wonder? So yeah. That's salvation. Are you being you overwhelmed by, by mother nature? When you yeah. get to encounter it and stuff like that. Or the that. mystery of another person. Yeah, that's know? another good example. Yeah, or, you know. So, yeah. so And, and you could be a, a primarily rational person, and but you're, but you're blown away by the wonder of unlocking the rationality mm. of something. You're, you're, you're enchanted with it. So that's a difference between I'm demanding certitude mm -hmm. in life and, uh, and I'm demanding that reality conform to what I call reality. And the thing about reality is it doesn't, you know, it doesn't care what you think it should be. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Regardless of what you think. <laughs> well, and, and some of the most beautiful conversations I've heard on different podcasts have been with scientists. Cause when you think of a scientist, you think extremely rational. Right. But then when and they get into the nuts and bolts of their field of study, yeah, it's more than that. You hear this awe and this yep. uh, wonderment and this just um, almost um, a monomania, yeah, unlocking of truth, yeah, uh, you know, and and it's it's you can tell they're having a religious experience. They are through their studies and their uh, research and interaction with the natural, uh, the natural occurring life that we call yeah. science. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's no respect of persons or opinions or religions, really. And so... Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how rational or irrational you are. You can have that heart transformation. Yeah. It's possible for anyone. And Jesus isn't, you know, jealous once. He's not Rumpelstiltskin where <laughs> you need to know his specific name. Right. Or, you know, he's going to... Yeah. I forgot what he was going to do. Take her firstborn or something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. That's yeah. not Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's beautiful. Well, uh, Mr. Morrison. Mr. Mason. We, we got another one in the bag. And uh, just thank everyone for, for tuning in. Uh, Appreciate your listenership. I think this is episode 25. And uh, we try to try to grow and expand on each, um, each episode. And, and just uh, sort of a, a quick uh, plug here. Uh, we are going to start a new series called The Road to Desert Rain, uh, which should be releasing here in the next few weeks. Uh, but we'll we'll have more about that once we're a little bit closer to introducing it. Uh, thank you for tuning in. If you want to hear, uh, learn more about Desert Rain or read some of uh, 
David Morrison's musings, check out theruin.com. If you want to look for other episodes of this, drcrpod.com. And as always, those drums in the background, that's Monk Drums. And uh, thank you for letting us use those. Jacob Nedia, and thank you all for listening. Thank you very much.